0: Well, our speaker's ready to preach. Amen. And uh, it's been a different week this week, hasn't it? Yes. As uh, usually I'm the one you know, here, trying to hear from God. This week it was family trying to hear from God. And she has. And so uh, I'm going to sit down and let my wife preach to you. Um, let's see. Uh, what can I share? I can share some little details about our lives. <laughs> well, we've been married a long time. Uh, Pamela is the mother of three and uh, grandma of a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I share this. My, one of my fondest and, and most precious uh, remembrances of Pam is, is to see her as we're, as we're getting ready for bed, reading her Bible and just consecrating the night to the Lord mm-hmm. and uh, waking up and doing the same thing. So on that note, Pamela, give us the word of God. Give her a warm welcome, if you would.
1: Oh! <laughs> thank you, this will help. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jesus. You know, one of the hardest things, what a way to start off, hardest things is that um, transitioning after we end such a beautiful time of worship. And then, you know, we have to do what we have to do and we have to release the kids and give announcements and that's all good. But sometimes today the, the anointing was so heavy and so beautiful that I didn't want to leave that. And I wish we could have just gone right into the word. But you know what? God is with us. That's just my humanness in it all. Amen. So I thank you so much, honey, dearest, my love, for asking me to uh, speak today and share a word. Um, hello, everyone on live stream as well. It's a word I had spoken to the women about two weeks ago on a Friday night we meet here, and I talked to them about the Lord's Prayer and praying, and just a little nugget of it. And then um, in between, I had asked the ladies to share uh, their little testimony regarding it. I'll get into that a little bit later. So uh, when my husband asked me to share, we had been talking about this. We decided I would share this and um, add more to it. So, humbly, I will pray before God for this message. Thank you, Jesus, Heavenly Father. I give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, I put this time into your hands, Lord. Use me as you will. Use, put the words into my mouth that you want spoken, Lord, and take away the words that you do not want said. We give you the glory, Jesus, and I pray that this word will touch your people and minister to them in a great way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So um, I have a very important question. How is your prayer life? You can think about that for a minute. How is your prayer life? Do you feel encouraged and hopeful when you pray? Or do you feel discouraged and let down? More importantly, do you feel connected to God? Do you feel that lifeline to your Lord and Savior, Jesus? Do you wonder how you should pray? Do you ever wonder why your prayers go unanswered? Why do I have to wait so long? And the questions go on and on. We've been praying for a long time, no answer. But you know what, these questions, my friends, I think, do more harm than good in the long run. We could ask them. We could talk to God and say whatever we want. He's there for us. But personally, I I don't feel that it's healthy for us because simply they'll take our focus off of God and off of our walk with him. That's my thought on that. And it could only be detrimental to our relationship with God Um, It could lead to disillusionment for some people, dejection, rejection, depression, and so much more, which only keeps us focused on what? Negativity. I don't like being negative, even though I'm starting this message off negative, but I I, I really don't. Um, My family could tell you, I I lean towards the positive things in life uh, as much as I can, despite what's going on. Can lead to depression and so much more in some people, and it falsely uh, has us falsely believing that prayer just doesn 't seem like it 's working that it 's going to do us any bit of good, so some of us think we I might as well give up, but you know what Our prayer life then needs a relational one with God for you not to want to give up. I know that from experience because there was a time. Uh, way back that I had several things that I was praying for, intense things, and um, I was so discouraged because God wasn't answering my prayer. I thought I was praying the right way, and uh, I, I prayed every day about it, but nothing was happening. It was through no one's fault but my own, because I realized that during that time, I was focusing more on the problem than on what God will do for me and how he will speak to my heart about this situation. Um, I also knew that God is the one that could bring peace amidst the chaos, but I wasn't really allowing him to do that. You know, the term wallow in in your misery, well, that's what I was doing at that time. And I, I can't stand wallowing. I don't know about the rest of you, but it's, it's not up on top on my list. I'll tell you that. Uh, so I had to refocus my relationship in my Savior to examine my heart, my mind, and my spirit. And to remind myself that I was that new creature in Christ. And that I was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. So I, I asked God to forgive me. I said, God, forgive me that I doubt you. Forgive me that I'm not trusting in you. Forgive me for wallowing in this misery because you're the Lord of all, and no matter what goes on, you still reign and you're still my king. So, and then I had to proceed to replace that with my faith, hope, and trust in him and allow him to work in me that way. I had to focus on keeping my God relationship alive, fresh, and ongoing daily And I had to learn to trust in God's will for my life and my situations. And oh, what peace came to me afterwards. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know what? The hardest thing about giving a message, I'll tell you right now, is that... (laughs) It's like my husband said, the word of God is inexhaustible. There, there's no end to it. There's so much in it. And I told him, I said, honey, I'm having a difficult time because I had a main part, and then I wanted to go into something else, and that leads to something else and to something else because God's word is so vast and never-ending. And um, I just had to throw that in. Okay. God created us to be in communication with him. Do you know that he delights in us? He knew us before we were born. He created us. He knew our very being before we were even in our mother's womb. So says Psalm 139. But in Zephaniah 3:17, it says, "The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing." Some of us might not even feel worthy of that, saying, Lord, how could you take such joy in, in us? Who am I? But you know what? You're, we're children of God, and he created us. So that makes us pretty important, does it? So let that lift your, boost your confidence level right there. And listen, we're all not perfect, and we know that. But you know what? God has a sense of humor. That's all I can tell you thank you. I appreciated that laugh. You got it. Yes. He has a sense of humor and he realizes when we go through things and anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is why it's good to write something out if I could stay with it. So recently pastor had shared an analogy about uh, tending plants and flowers, you know, with water and sunshine and uh, cutting off all the bruised parts and um, how they're growing. you know, rapidly in his office. And I was just thinking about that um, when I was preparing this because I thought our prayers need the same attention. They need to be tended to daily. We need to water our prayers in a sense because what are our prayers? Our prayers are communication with our Heavenly Father, the one who created us, the one who is singing over us. So we have to nurture that. Our relationship with Jesus and our prayer life is so important to our existence that it needs to be nurtured and strengthened if we are to triumph over our problems with joy. Now, that sounds somewhat like an oxymoron to me. You know, it's you know, how can you have joy when you're sad and, and feeling terrible and you're heavy laden with so many problems? Well, Jesus is our joy giver. He gives joy that extends beyond the surface. It runs deep. Christ releases us from the bondage of hurt that that sorrow brings, and he fills us with his joy. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. John 15.11 says, these things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So that's it right there. God will replace our sorrows with his joy. Now, in our spirit, we may still be suffering through things, but we can have the joy of the Lord. It may be a hard concept for some. A woman once argued with me about this about eight years ago who attended here, and she said, I don't understand how I could be joyful when I'm going through this hard time. And I tried to explain it the best I can, and I showed the scriptures. But it was hard for her to fathom. But it's true, and it's in God's word. How many know that? Do you know that you could have the joy of the Lord as you're going through your your sorrows? Amen. And there is no end to this growth in Jesus because we live for Christ. The more we live for Christ, the more we pour into him, the more we become aware of him working in us. And the greater your love for him becomes, and the level of your inner joy increases no matter what befalls you. John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is our peace. Amen. Galatians 5.22.23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience or long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. So Jesus is our joy. There are many, many in the Bible, there are many stories about so many people uh, who have suffered, and uh, some have a good ending, and some do not. Um, With the ladies I was sharing, just briefly I'll share about Job, uh, what happened to him. He was tested. It, he Basically, Satan felt like Job was a special one of God's. So he asked God permission, or rather, God gave Job permission to, um, I don't want to use the word torture, to uh, attack him. And in the matter of, I believe it was one day, his whole life was basically ruined, his uh, uh, Children, his family, he lost livestock, uh, his property, everything. And then to top it all off, his whole body was filled with boils. If you've ever had one of those boils or sores, just one, you know the pain. But to think his whole body was, was covered with that. And during that time, Satan kept uh, tempting him with things so that he would want to give up God. And he didn't. He had friends come to him. And even his wife said, turn your back on God, you know, so that you'll be free of all this and you could, you know, be healthy and live again a normal life. And he didn't. Although during that time he did get very discouraged and even a bit miffed at God, angry, saying, Lord, I don't understand why I'm doing this. And God told him at one point, be brave, just be brave. And long story short, he was delivered. God delivered him out of that. And he went on to restore his family and his livestock, his everything. Not always. Not everybody has everything restored. I mean, not to mention all of, and I wasn't going to get into this, but all of the Lord's disciples, most of them met with a terrible death, a terrible ending. And you wonder why. They were chosen by Jesus and to do his work. So... That's where God's will comes in in His plan for our life, and some things just can't be questioned. Um, but everybody has problems of one sort or another, and how many of us tend to believe? You know, you can't help you think, "Oh, that person, everything is going well with them, or they're prosperous." And This, or their children, or this and that, or their job. Everything is good. Why isn't that happening to me? Their life may appear that way, but you don't know their inner trials or tribulations. And you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So you can't judge by the outer part. And you know what? That shouldn't be our focus anyway. Instead, look to the inner part of yourself. And do you realize, as followers of Christ, we are absolutely blessed beyond measure to have a one-on-one marvelous and supernatural relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That alone is enough to gladden any heart. We are blessed to be recipients of his love, joy, peace, and strength. He is a God of love and mercy, but we must not forsake him. Colossians 1.11 says, and this is the message version, we pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It's a strength that endures the unendurable and spills out into joy. There's that joy again. So stay strong in the Lord and be filled with joy. Ephesians 6.10, and this is one of my favorite um, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That one encouraged me a lot when I was going through some very tough days. As our spiritual walk with Jesus deepens, we receive his life giving energy and strength from the Holy Spirit, and thus we'll become more Christ like in our walk, which enables us to mature in our relationship in God's kingdom under his authority with his power. So think of that. Some of us, we could just tend to kind of sit back and say, okay, God, do everything. He wants to use us. He's going to fill us with his spiritual gifts. And he wants to give us authority. We could pray with authority in his name. Uh, Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful with all perseverance for all the saints. Um, Immerse yourself in God, the Holy Spirit, his word. Because even though your adverse circumstances may not change immediately, and perhaps ever in this lifetime, Our view will change, and I think Pastor mentioned it just earlier during worship. It will no longer be dim. We will no longer be looking through the glass dimly because we'll be looking through the lens or the eyes of Jesus, which is a whole lot clearer, and nothing could be better than that. Amen? Everything we go through in life ultimately contributes to the end of our life. How? Because if we've chosen to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we are living to, for him, we are given the promise of eternal life, eternity in heaven, and we will receive the crown of life. Now, Isaiah sixty one three says, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, the oil of gladness instead of heaviness. For God has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. Amen. We sing that scripture, Beauty for Ashes. In fact, Stacy, did we sing that last week, I believe? And it's a beautiful, beautiful song. But, you know, sometimes we sing phrases, and you may not realize what it means. But basically, Beauty for Ashes means that God will forgive us our past. He will wipe away our sins. And then he will place a crown upon our heads. And uh, the Hebrew word for beauty refers to a headdress such as a crown that only the high standing in those days or the upper echelon were allowed to wear. But God says he is going to give all of us a crown of life. Amen. Romans 1.12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all those who love him. So we simply can't live a productive and fruitful life without nurturing and having intentional connection and a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Well, the good news is that Jesus... Provided a guide and personal instructions for our prayer life by giving us the Lord's Prayer found in the book of Matthew. But before I address that, I was just going to share a little bit of my life, my little bit of testimony, tiny, tiny little bit, because uh, it has to do with these verses. So, okay, so I grew up in Harrison, New York. Way back, no, I'm not going to go back that farm i kidding. But they have great pizza in Harrison, New York. I have to tell you, I had to throw that in. Great pizza. Um, but anyway, there's so much to tell. But in a nutshell, my mother had a pretty strong faith in God, despite her hardships growing up in an orphanage. I may have shared that in her three marriages. And just life was tough on her. But she made sure that we went to church up the block to St. Gregory's Catholic Church and then we went on, and i went to the public school down the street i attended the ccd catechism classes uh on thursday afternoons and i heard many bible stories but no in-depth biblical teaching that was very limited either that or my ears were closed to it because maybe because i was young and I, who knows i just didn't i didn't know or at least i don't remember hearing about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't remember anyone saying you could ask him into your heart. Doesn't mean that wasn't taught me, but I don't recall it. But however, as all good Catholics do, I had to memorize the Lord's Prayer. And that turned out to be a lifesaver for me. And it carried me through some very difficult times. Uh, one instance that I'll share is, you know, growing up, I had asthma. And, uh, and now, you know, I have the allergies and whatnot. But, uh, my asthma was very bad growing up. And, um, there was this one incident. And it was really my first incident. Well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let me tell you what happened. I was about eight, ten years old. And it was a very hot and humid summer day, and I was struggling to breathe, and I was sitting at my bedroom window, I can remember my sister Valerie's here, she knows, uh, trying to get whatever air I could into my lungs. We didn't have air conditioning, didn't want a fan in the room, because that blow, if you have allergies, you know you don't want the fan blows, dust and pollen and everything, so that wasn't going to help. My inhaler I had, this is back in the 60s, all I had was a little inhaler, God, anyway, So the inhaler was on empty and I was frantic and I began praying and praying in my mind. I couldn't talk because I was just gasping for air. And then I started reciting the Lord's Prayer in my mind too. And I was begging God to help, begging him. But nothing but still hot air outside, with none coming through the window, when all of a sudden, there's that word, suddenly, out of nowhere. Cool, fresh air. It was almost like a tunnel of air. Yeah. Came rushing into my lungs. And I could, I I mean, I could remember that day with such clarity. And uh, I was able to take some deep breaths and get relief. And I remember afterwards... Or just at that moment, really, I sensed in my mind, in my heart, my spirit, that God heard me. He heard my pleas. And he sent that rush of cool, fresh air, not the hot, humid, sticky air. And I knew it was God because there was not a hint of of cool air or a breeze right afterwards. After my lungs cleared, it went back to the hot. Still humid air. And I remember, I mean, I was just amazed. I was just in awe of what had happened. And I will never, ever forget that day. That action by God, or perhaps He sent His angels, I don't know. But that cool air relieved a young girl's struggle to breathe. But more than that, it helped her belief, my belief. In God. To be stronger. Amen. And it, it really helped to change my life. It sounds so simple. So you got some cool air. But you know what? When there was no cool air to be had. And for a young girl calling out to God and praying. The only prayer I knew. That was a miracle. So anyway. I believe my limited knowledge of God and his word. As time went on. Did keep me from getting into things. You know. The drinking. The drug scene and everything else. And yes, with friends, tried cigarettes. And I said, I don't want to. I have asthma. Oh, just try. Well, I hardly got one puff and I was practically dying. So they didn't, you know. And, uh, alcohol was never in my house. My mother didn't drink. My stepfather, when he was around, um, he would always have a beer perhaps or a beer with dinner, but otherwise there wasn't alcohol in the house. Our, my father, my biological father, who was with me until about the age of five or five and a half, he was an alcoholic. I have a few memories of that, but um, I loved him. He was a good man, but he, he did struggle with that. So in any case, I wasn't really drawn to it. And I always felt deep in my heart I should stay away from it. I just knew it wouldn't be please God at all, nor my mother. So... That was good. And as a young adult, as time went on, uh, I worked at New York Hospital and medical records and uh, insurance. And um, worked there all day long. We'd go out, stay up late, hang out with friends. Uh, work, then next day, get up early, work, and go and repeat and do the same thing. But I wasn't a partier. I wasn't a big partier. I just, I was a young adult. And I guess I was looking for direction, and I just wanted to be with friends, and I'd go out. And I did love dancing, so if there was dancing, I enjoyed that part of it. And uh, <clears throat> But more important to note was during this time, I still had the Lord's Prayer in my heart. That was memorized. It was not going to leave me. And a continued reverence for God, because when I was out and I'd see certain things, I'd always have a check in my spirit. Of course, I didn't understand that terminology at the time, but I did, and I thought, hmm. And I always felt a little on the outside of everybody. I mean, you wouldn't think so. We were all friends, but just inside of myself, I just felt like that perhaps that wasn't where I should be. So, um, anyway, my mother had begun um, attending charismatic Bible study at this time, and she gave me the Good News Bible, which is a modern version, and she thought I might like to read that. And so I would read a little bit every night before going to bed, even if I had gone out and stayed out till one or two in the morning or whenever I'd come back, and I would always read it, even if it was just a verse or two. And um, I realized now that God's Word was slowly saturating my mind and my spirit because I was reading it and I was taking it in. <clears throat> I also read the book, Run, Baby, Run, by Reverend David Wilkerson. That was about the New York gangs. Have Has anybody heard of that book? And Yeah, I believe there was a movie and everything. And um, forgive me. <laughs> Sometimes you don't realize what God has done in your life until you start talking about it and uh, then it hits you so anyway um, the book is about New York gangs and the main character was about Nicky Cruz and how he was uh, a really violent gang member but long story short he gave his heart to the Lord because Reverend Wilkerson went and preached to all the kids there and was trying to help them so anyway um I heard around this time that I was working, going with, out with friends and everything. This is in 1975. Okay, so <laughs> you have to think back. I heard, I don't know how I heard it, I, because, you know, we didn't have texts. We didn't have Facebook back then. Maybe there was a poster somewhere. I heard that he, Nikki Cruz was going to be speaking at the Rye Presbyterian Church, and that was in the next town over. So I decided I want to go there, but I went by myself. I didn't tell anybody. I just went, and Nikki Cruz spoke to us. And at the end, he asked, "Who wants to accept Jesus into your heart?" To meet him in the side chapel. So I thought, okay, I'll get. I still wasn't quite understanding everything, but it. it I was very interested. So I was one of the few that got up and we went into the side chapel. And there he talked some more and then he went around and he laid his hand upon each of us and said a prayer uh, to receive Jesus. And I knew that something very different had happened. It wasn't earth shattering, you know, in, in any, you know, balls of fire going off or anything. But I, I felt such a sense of peace in my heart, my spirit, and you know what? I liked it. I felt like this is what I'm. I'm looking for. I like this, and I. I, I felt different. So soon after that, I met this boy named Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And um. And I really. And we eventually accepted Jesus together. I can't even go into that story because that will take. Too long. Uh, so that's a story for another time. But anyway, the point of this short testimony is that no matter what I was going through during my early years, I knew that I could recall that amazing scripture to mind. It was the only one I knew, but I could call it to mind. It was called the Lord's Prayer, as it came to be known as. It was the only scripture that I had memorized at the time for some reason, maybe. We weren't taught to memorize other ones. I have no idea. All I know is I had that one in my heart. And uh, little did I know that that tiny but powerful bit of God's word that was memorized at an early age and in my heart all during my childhood and into my young adult years was just the beginning of what God had planned for me. I may not have understood even the implication of all the words of the prayer, um, and what it meant. But I've since come to know and to experience the power of God's word. So amen and thank you, Jesus, for that. And I have <clears throat> glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have three scriptures to share about this experience. Psalm 119.11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving and thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So think of the Bible as your guide, like a compass. It provides direction for your spiritual journey and helps you navigate through the roads of life. Um, the powerful Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. James, you could put that up. Oh, if you could read that. Um, the background I just want to give you a little background to this prayer. Matthew 6 is the second of three chapters, uh, containing his, Matthew's telling of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's one of the few chapters in the Bible that is entirely composed of the words of Jesus. And I thought, when I read that part, I, I had to, I looked again, I said, oh boy, it really is. They're all in red. So, that was something. Uh, the primary theme of Jesus' teaching is, uh, so far in, in the book of Matthew is how God the Father cares about the hearts of His people, not just their outward actions. Thoughts and attitudes can be sins as much as action and deeds. So, Jesus points out that even though good deeds must be motivi- motivated by sincerity in order to be truly righteous, putting on the appearance of piety being religious in order to earn the praise of others is not pleasing to God. In there, Jesus warns the people not to be hypocrites in your prayers. And he tells his listeners to pray privately and behind closed doors where no one could hear, and they should trust their father to hear and reward them instead. However, and I I love howevers, Jesus's point is not to Denounce all forms of public prayer. He wants us to be able to pray out loud with one another. But in this case, Jesus is speaking about the motivation. What's your motivation behind praying out loud? Legitimate prayer is not a performance in front of other people. <clears throat> Those who pray in order to press, impress others are not pleasing God. That's found in Matthew 6, 5, and 6. So Jesus gave the people a prayer guide which became known as the Lord's Prayer. But it's not a prayer that he is praying. Jesus isn't praying this prayer. It's his guide. It's an outline for believers explaining the right attitudes and components of prayer. So Jesus introduces this prayer in verse 8, one verse ahead of this, and I quote, In this manner, therefore, pray. And then if you'll say it with me, we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father... Amen. Wasn't that beautiful? That sounded beautiful to me. The Lord's Prayer lays a general foundation and a guide of what we must know before we can first enter into praying with confidence before the Lord. Um, As mentioned earlier, I'm just going to throw this in. Um, When I had taught this section to the women at Sisterhood, and at that time, going to break up the prayer to. right now, and each section I had given to six women, and they came up and shared a little bit of their testimony uh, regarding it. If we had time, I'd have them do it today, but I just want to thank Malita Cook, Patty Stauffer, Esther Larios, uh, Millie Merced, Carolyn Gregan, and Justine Merced, who shared. Those were powerful words, and it was a blessing to the ladies that night. Thank you. So this is the Lord's Prayer, verse by verse, and the first one is about worship. In verse 9, Jesus begins with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who is he? He's Adonai, the Lord of lords, our majesty, king of kings. And you know there are hundreds and hundreds of names for our God. Uh, God is our preserver, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of us in him, his children by adoption and grace. You know, take note that Jesus doesn't... have us start off the prayer asking him for things. Instead, he challenges us to acknowledge and worship our Heavenly Father first and foremost. This approach can only begin from a place of relationship and should begin there rather than a place of requests. It can only happen when we have a personal relationship with God We've accepted him to be our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer, the one who knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. We were created to worship him. John four twenty four says God is spirit and those who worship in spirit in, in him must worship with, in spirit and truth. Sorry. John four twenty three. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So our Father wants our worship. And and it doesn't matter if you can't sing or you can't hold a tune because that has nothing to do with it. He wants to hear your voices. And if all you want can do is cry out, praise you, Jesus, and you don't want to try to have it in a melody, do that. He wants to hear your voice praising him. Number two is God's will. Excuse me Wait one second. <clears throat> In verse 10, Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. He is the God who sees us, the God of wisdom. You know, Reverend John Wellesley once said, the famous John Wellesley, I believe that was in the late 1700s, early 1800s of his ministry, somewhere around there. He said, may your kingdom come quickly and swallow up all the kingdoms of the earth. Amen. And I read that, and I thought, oh, yes, Lord. But he was praying that more than 150 years before we are now, and look what we're going through. We live in a fallen world filled with much evil, destruction, and grief, which is happening now in, the, in Ukraine, and our hearts go out to those people. But Jesus makes it clear that God can still accomplish his will on earth. He can heal us revive us, take away our tears, strengthen and guide us. We would do well to ask, what is your will, Father, for me today, for this moment, for this situation? We think we know more than God a lot of times, don't we? And I don't mean to sound blasphemous, but in reality, I think we do because we think, well, Lord, you know what? Well, look, I'm confessing. There have been times I've told the Lord what I think would work best. And and I don't mean that I did. I've said, Lord, you know what I think? And if you could just touch their heart now then this and then that, and it all fall into place like a puzzle. And I like doing puzzles. Maybe that's why. And all I know is I'm glad that our Heavenly Father has a wonderful sense of humor. That's all I can say. I have to go back to that because I'm sure he's laughing and shaking his head saying, Pamela, Pamela, how could you? What are you thinking? You know, what are you thinking? Um, but amen. Praise God for that. So I say, forgive me, O Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God will give us the de- desires of our heart if it is in line with his will. Amen. Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And then I love this part. This is 13 that a lot of times is left out. Then you, all of us, will call upon me and go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. He will listen to us, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Amen. Number three is provision. In first eleven, Jesus said, "Give us this day our daily bread." God is our Jehovah, Jireh. The Lord will provide. Amen. When we pray this, we are seeking God to supply and meet our daily needs, and thus establish an ongoing reliance on him. We tend to pray this one the most, though, don't we? But without, a lot of times, offering praise or asking God's will first, and we had already touched on that. Uh, The moment we become self-reliant, we abandon the provision made available through prayer. God is our supplier, God gives us what we need, not always what we want. Be anxious for nothing, though, and just trust him. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known by God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen. And number four is forgiveness. That's a big one. Yes. In verse 12, Jesus says, And forgive us our trespasses, or our debts, our sins, as we also have forgiven our trespassers, or our debtors, those who have sinned against us. God is our Redeemer, our merciful God, the God of love and mercy. Extending forgiveness keeps our hearts soft towards God and the people in our lives. Um, I just want to say, sometimes some of us could be a little too, uh, we could be too harsh. We could do, be too critical, always quick to point out the faults in someone else or a situation. Aren't we? That's, that's our sinful nature. We all do it at one point or another. But um God would rather we didn't. So uh, Jesus later says in verse 14, paraphrase, that if you forgive people their transit, trespasses, deaths, sins, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you don't, then neither will he forgive you, us. So it's good to forgive others, because otherwise we won't be forgiven. John 1 John seven says, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, Romans twelve nineteen through 21, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I remember first learning that scripture and saying, Oh, really? I have to do that? I have to feed my enemy? And then when you really think about it, you think, yeah, it, in a sense, I, I don't know if I should say this, but you know the saying, kill them with kindness, and think that's probably where that saying came from. Someone read the word and put it into their own words. Kill them with kindness, with love. Well, forget the kill part. So anyway, Matthew five forty-four through 55. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And that's a tough one, really, it is to pray for those who, your enemies, and who are your enemies? Maybe those who have done you wrong, those who have talked about you, those, uh, your boss at work, um, your relationships, someone who's done you wrong in some way or another. So now we'll go to five, number five, Temptation. In the first half of verse 13, Jesus instructed us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He is the God who sees me. He is our rock. A regular habit of prayer and our relationship with him gives us the spiritual strength to overcome the temptations and win the battles often afflicting us. I'm not going to go into what temptations are, because you know what? Temptations could be tea tiny little things to, hmm, I want that piece of chocolate there, but I, I shouldn't have it now, to really great ones that I don't even want to start to say because there's no end to them, but you know what it is. A temptation basically is anything that you know you shouldn't do, and that many times would just bring sorrow to, to God and hurt you in the long run. Um... he makes a way of escape so we may be more than conquerors through his love. So I think that if God is in you, then being constantly aware of his presence around you should, and hopefully will help you avoid saying or doing something that will be detrimental to your walk with him, falling into some temptation of sorts. If, if, We are living for Jesus wholeheartedly. His Spirit, his Holy Spirit is with us. As we're walking, we're doing things, we're getting dressed, we're doing the dishes, we go to work, we're driving, whatever. There should be a sense of his presence around us. And that presence, hopefully, will be enough to, you know, little tap on the shoulder when you're thinking of that temptation. Oh, God is right here. He sees me. Lord. Forgive me. We have to forgive God for even thinking about certain temptations. So because he knows everything. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So there's nothing new under the sun. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Amen. Because with God, we could overcome anything. Number six is praise. Finally, in the second half of verse 13, Jesus is telling us in his guide for life, our life, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He is the Lamb of God, the Almighty One, King of kings. Here we are instructed by Jesus to give praise to our Heavenly Father. Acknowledge him. This praise and worship could go hand in hand. Worship is usually in the sense of, yeah, giving him praise, but usually through song. And uh, praise is just honoring him, praising every day in your prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you. I thank you for being the Lord that you are, for doing such great works. Um, So here we are instructed to praise him. We are to acknowledge his lordship and recognize that he is the all-powerful one who rules over all the earth. We thank him for his wondrous works and his everlasting kingdom, and we give him and only him all the glory. Revelation 5.13 says... Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And I say amen to that. So Jesus gave us these six guidelines for praying, worship and acknowledge our heavenly father as king of kings. Pray for God's will rather than your own. Pray for God's provision for our daily needs and give thanks. I'm throwing the give thanks, and it's not actually in the Lord's Prayer, but it's another scripture. Number four, ask God for forgiveness of our sins and and to help forgive others. Five, help God to help us to be strong when temptation uh, of all sorts come at us. And six, give praise and glory to God, who is all-powerful. I think this is the best guide and instruction booklet, if you will, that we could ever, ever get. But I I have a question for you, though. What part of the Lord's Prayer is most meaningful for you? The worship, God's will, provision, forgiveness, temptation, or praise. Now, really, you might say, well, it's all meaningful. But you may be going through something right now in your life where maybe one of these is really touching your heart more with whatever your situation might be. You know, maybe it is forgiveness. Maybe it's temptation. You overcame it. And um, that's very meaningful for you right now. I also want to ask, what part of the Lord's Prayer is the most challenging to you right now in your life at this moment? Is it the worship? Are you able to do that? Is it God's will, his providing for you? Is it forgiveness, temptation, praise? What is it that you might be struggling with right now? And most likely we all have one of these that is a challenge for us because we're not a perfect people. We're not in that perfect world yet. And there's something, whether it's... You know, small on a small scale or a large scale. So I encourage you, I even challenge you, to spend more time with Jesus, more time in prayer. Pray morning, noon, and evening, and stay in that attitude of prayer. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you." Um, the excuse me, the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So, and just quickly, um, I don't know how long I've been speaking, but... Okay, so just... What's that? Okay, well, just quickly I'll say, uh, we know that all prayers are not answered immediately. Do we know that? Some prayers take days, weeks, months, even years. And some may not be answered at all. And that's sad. And maybe not in our lifetime, but that's the reality of it. Our relationship with God is ultimately not about our current day-to-day life. That's part of it. He's in every part of our life. But it's ultimately about our souls and an eternity. So keep eternity in mind, and it will help to put a lot of things into perspective. I'm sure my pastor husband will go into detail on some of that. I hope I'm presenting it correctly. But regarding prayers, too, I want to say that there are times when we can't find our own words to pray. And I don't know if you've been there, but I have plenty of times because usually... Um, You're going through a very intense time, discouragement, pain, or distress, or praying for somebody that you truly care about who's going through this. And we need the prayer of supplication, which is a desperate prayer, prayer, asking, pleading with all humility, essentially begging God to intervene, like I had when I was a child, with all of our heart. In Daniel 9.18, he was pray, said a prayer concerning their city that was in a lot of turmoil. And he asked God to, to listen and to turn his eyes towards them to see their desolation and their loneliness and bleakness. And he went on to say, For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. So he came humbly to God. Oh, God, I'm doing so great, so I need you to help me now. No, they were doing terribly, but they they knew that God is a God of mercy, and he needed him. I have a small book. I was going to share something, but I think we're running out of time. But it's a devotional uh, called A Diary of Private Prayer. Uh, by Professor John Bailey, written in 1936 in Scotland. I think some of you know it. My husband had shared it uh, on and off during his Bible studies. But there's morning prayer and evening prayer. And when I've read some of these, as I've gone through it, it really humbled me because how many of us, when we, for instance, and I'll just share this, when we're going to sleep at night, do you say a prayer and do you say, Lord, forgive me for today. If I, if I have done anything wrong, even if you can't recall anything, was it a look you gave someone? Was it an attitude? Was it a bad word? Was it something, whether it was little or big? Forgive me, Lord, before I go into sleep, be with me. And, and then he changes and, and thank you so much, Lord, that I got to experience this little bit of happiness today, or I watched my family. And so that's a blessing. But there are many devotionals out there. Stacy had given us a beautiful one called Every Moment Holy. And there's so many devotionals, but they have written prayers. And so I'm saying all of that to say stay in the attitude of prayer. And if you're not able in your distress to actually pray or you feel like you're done with your actual prayers, read the prayers. And it will bless you. But stay in that attitude of prayer. Um, because sometimes when our angst is just so, so great, all we can do is cry out the name of Jesus, right? Have you ever done that? You were so desperate. You were so distraught. You just said, Jesus, I need you, Jesus. And then at other times, maybe all you did was whisper. You said, Jesus, I need you. And he's so powerful that just saying his name He will be there for you, and he will hear you. So don't give up on that, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. So the good news, people, is that Jesus Christ is still the light of the world, and he will have us follow him, and he will not have us walk in darkness, but to walk in his light and know that he has that crown of life for us, and he has prepared a place in heaven. Remember that the Lord's Prayer begins with worship and acknowledgement of the one who gives life and ends with acknowledging God's executive power all, over all of us and over this earth. So I want you to remember that and take that. Sometimes we could get tired. We could just get fall into a sense of, uh, well, I'll just use laziness. I can't think of the word I want. But we need to be sharp. We need to be alert because our Enemy is on the prowl. Our Almighty God, though, and I'll end with this, can transform your despair into hope, your sorrow into joy, and your defeat into victory. Amen. And our prayer becomes a reality, our faith becomes a reality. I'm sorry. When we are no longer see ourselves as someone defeated, God does not want us to be defeatists or to be defeated by the enemy or any sin Uh, because the Holy Spirit is within us and he gives us the power and he enables us to conquer and to triumph. Romans 12.12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So if you could please stand and we'll say this together. Romans 12:12 12, 12, say it with me be joyful in hope patient in affliction faithful in prayer. Amen. And I also at this time, I know Pastor had an altar call earlier, but if anybody here has been just thinking about it, or you just want help with your prayer life, you just want a prayer set over you to strengthen you for your walk with God, please come forward, please, or just raise your hands. And we'll pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the hands raised. Amen. Thank you. Actually, I think we all, I'm raising my hand because I, every day is a new day. And some days we may feel stronger in the Lord, and other days we don't. And maybe on those days, who knows what it is that could be bringing us down. But we need to be refreshed each and every day in our walk with Jesus. Repent. And he will redeem us amen father god heavenly father we worship you lord we give you all the praise and the glory lord we thank you father for giving us life we thank you for being the king of kings father we thank you jesus for filling us with your presence lord we thank you father god for filling us with more of you. We thank you, Lord, for your will to be done. We thank you for providing us and giving us our daily needs. We thank you, Lord, for forgiving us our sins. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for keeping us from temptations, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, that we are able to praise you and give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen.
0: Can you lead us in the chorus to that? Let's just... Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray one more prayer. Uh, if you want to get the notes for this message, they'll be on our website, newlifechristianag.com under the media section. So all those slides that you saw will be there. You may want to write down the, the six points and, and apply them to your life in real life. So let's pray one more time. Father God, thank you so much for this day, Lord. This has been a good day in Your house. Thank you for the word You put on Pamela's heart to share. That we have we have a, a, a we have a teaching in Your word as to how to pray. We can no longer say we don't know how when it's right there. Help us, Lord, to yield to that teaching that Jesus that You gave us, Lord. And Father, may may we all be enriched by a richer prayer life. So may your blessing be upon us as we go. May your blessing be upon our families and loved ones. We pray, Lord, again for Ukraine and that whole situation, for your hand to be on every aspect of it. And uh, we pray, Lord, we'll get some good news that this thing is going to come to an end very soon. But we give it to you and pray for your touch to be upon it. And, Lord, may we all have a good afternoon. May we get together tonight to pray on the live stream, all for your glory, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen amen. God bless you. If anyone needs prayer, we'll be lingering here at the altar for a little bit. We'll be happy to pray with you.